Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So if you're like most people who went to public schools in America, you probably took a PE class or two. One, you had to take it because it was required, but also you probably took them because it was an easy A, right? You spent 45 minutes maybe playing some basketball, playing some dodgeball, having a class on STDs or something like that. I mean, it was just sort of a blow-off class. But during the 1960s, there was a high school in California called La Sierra High. And the coach there, named Coach Laprati, we're going to talk about him today, developed this intense physical fitness program that was inspired by the ancient Greeks, 19th century physical culture. And the goal was to create strong young people sort of the healthy body, healthy mind aspect from the ancient Greeks. The idea of these, if we could create strong young people, we could create young people with character and mental fortitude, et cetera, that can go out and serve the country, right? Be strong to be useful. Um, and this program caught fire. 4,000 other high schools adopted the same program. Uh, JFK, John F. Kennedy used it as a, an example of what physical fitness education should be like in public schools. And for about 10 years, it was, it was, the, the talk of the town, but then it just faded away. And then PE became this sort of blow off class that we have today. Well, my guests today on the podcast are making a documentary about this forgotten physical education program out of California at La Sierra High. Her name's Doug Orchard and Ron Jones. Today on the podcast, we're going to discuss the, the history of this physical education program, its effect on the students who took part in it. I mean, some of these kids are now, well, they're not kids anymore, they're 70 years old. And we're going to talk about the influence it had on them and their lives. We're going to talk about the exact routines these kids were doing, and it's super intense. Some of it was they were so fit that they were blowing away the military requirements when they were 13, 14 years old. And then we're going to discuss what Doug and Ron are hoping this film will do to the conversation about physical education in our uh, nation's schools. Really fascinating discussion. I think you're going to enjoy this. So without further ado, Doug Orchard, Ron Jones, and La Sierra High PE. Doug Orchard, Ron Jones, welcome to the show. Great, thank you very much. Appreciate that. So you all are working on a film about a fascinating part of American history. It's about this physical education program that was used across the country during the 1960s and 70s, but you focus on the the school where it originated from. It's called La Sierra, based in California. I'm curious, uh, where did you first learn about this PE program uh, coming out of La Sierra High School during the 1960s? Well, um, I actually 
three years ago was a sign that he said, I'll never do, make an infomercial on some footlog product. And Ron Jones was one of the industry experts out there that asked me as an expert testimonial for this company. So I met him that way. After we got done, there was a traffic jam, even out in the desert in L.A. area. And we had breakfast. And um, he was telling me about how America has de-evolved in physical fitness levels and physical education. There used to be a much higher level in the 1800s than we are today. And because of my background, I knew we had done that with education. But I honestly, with my background, I just assumed that we were hitting higher plateaus because you see these, you know, these new levels that we perform in the Olympics and, you know, and everything. So I assumed that that was across the board and that people just were fit historically because they work out in the farm. They were just moved more than we do today. I had no idea that they did the gyms and everything else. And so he said that he'd been working and want to do a documentary on the history of physical education. And I said, nobody's going to watch that. <laughs> and and it took about a year until he told me about La Sierra. And when I understood the La Sierra story, and that's part, most people who really look at this, they know about La Sierra because it was the last great uh, physical education program that made a national impact. You know, nothing's, nothing's been at that level since. And so at that story, it, it seemed quite interesting. He was still working on getting money, um, and we understood that was coming down the pike. In the meantime, there was one person who was moving that, that I found out about out of this area, and I wanted to go interview because it was a quick, easy interview. And when I interviewed him and saw firsthand, and here's a guy who's 70 years old, uh, the impact it made on his life outside of the waistline, I... You know, it was it was life changing for me, and and I, from that point on, we've done it without money. We just did the film, so it's been a cool experience. And maybe I should tell you the story. Yeah, tell us that story. Because it's not in the film. Yeah. But here was a guy who, from the age from second grade on, he his parents worked for the oil industry, and he would bounce around every two months. They'd move. They'd move. I mean, it's not a little move. They'd move. You know, from California to Texas, and Texas to to Colorado, and all over the place. And um, as a result, every two months he's moving, and, and some school, some states would say he's a second grader, other states would say he's a first grader, and you know you have that problem. So significant social problems, significant everything. Not an achiever, and for some reason they just stopped when they with that his freshman year he finds himself at loss year high, and he had been in fights all the time. He says he was ready to drop out of school. He was going to be one of the statistics that we see, right? And, um, but the program and the level of achievement that was there, the structure was so effective for him that it transferred to these other areas of his classes. He started believing himself and, and all that. He went on and became this really decorated individual in the military and, and whatnot, did a lot of great things for our country. And then, and had a normal productive life. When he was about 65, he had a, a very simple basal scale skin cancer in his ear that had to be removed. They used a mole procedure. And in that process, the infection got into the bloodstream, went down to his bowels, infected everything, and they had to go in and they had to take everything out. From that moment on, he's on oxygen. He's got a bag he has to carry. He's got... Uh, then he goes into heart failure. It was six months of rehabilitation before he could walk. And he tells me that when he got to the length of the first house, 
took him six months to be able to walk the distance with a walker of, of you know, one house length. Um, he says he looked at the door and he had a flashback of back in the day when he was at La Sierra Hockey doing 10 pull-ups for the first time. And how Coach Stan LaFrati ran up to him, congratulated him, and said, that's tremendous. This is the word he always used. He says, but let me tell you, if you, got, if you do 10, I bet you could do 11. There's always one more. And he thought about that when he looked at that door and he says, if I could do one, I can go two house lengths. <laughs> and, you know, by the time I met him in 70, he didn't have a locker, you know, that stuff. He still has the, the oxygen in the bag he has to carry the rest of his life. But his attitude, he says that every challenge he faced throughout his life, he would think back to the days when he was on the field doing this PE program. And that's what he leaned on to overcome the stuff that life, you know, threw at him. And I started thinking about what is our problem in America right now? And we have so, we, we, we incarcerate more human beings. 25% of all the human beings that are incarcerated in the world are incarcerated here in America. That's what just 4.4% of the world's population. We have a lot of big issues. And I was fascinating to see how physical education plays such a significant role to overcome all of us. And, and that is what I did not understand. And I think most Americans right now don't get. All right. That's an amazing story about a gentleman who was able to use his experience in the, the physical education program at La, La Sierra to battle cancer and overcome the obstacles, other obstacles in his life. I'm curious, you know, this wasn't, we'll get into the details of it later on, but this was an intense physical education uh, program I'm curious, why did the PE coach at La Sierra decide to start this super intense PE program for his students? Well, he, you know, it always goes back to who taught you. So he had some good mentors along the way. And he also came out of the World War II generation, which a lot of these guys had still had those classical methods that really originated with Colonel Herman Kohler in World War One at West Point. And so um, when we lost side of the World War II generation, we started losing, you know, those historical methods. So they had brought back the World War I methods for World War II, and Leprati was part of that generation that, that basically unlocked at least part of that movement code again. So a lot of the guys came out of World War II, and they, they went to college in the GI Bill, and they ended up coaching and teaching PE, and Leprati was one of those people. So in the trailer you made for Indiegogo, you talk about John F. Kennedy as having a role in the revival of physical culture in America. Why was JFK so concerned about physical fitness uh, in our nation's youth? Well, he was raised in the Boston area, so that's a stronghold for physical culture. You know, on the East Coast, we have older cities, so you know those, that's where those classical methods would have been very prominent in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So he came from that background, was an athlete and had some severe back injuries and was actually making a comeback on the physical side because of working with Dr. Hans Krauss. Uh, Bonnie Pruden was Hans Krauss's research assistant, and Bonnie and Coach uh, Stan Leprati were actually colleagues and friends. So it's funny how all this loops together. Um, but JFK, was, he was a Renaissance guy. He, he had the, the big picture that we're trying to um, explain in the film. He understood the connection to the Greeks. He understood the connection of the mind and the body and to building better citizens through physical education, not just the physique part, but learning how to think better and how to be better people. And so interestingly, though, um, 
JFK was inspired by La Sierra. It wasn't the other way around. Interesting. And I don't, I don't know if everybody understands that, but it was actually Laprati was doing his thing before JFK was involved, and JFK heard about it. That that's really fascinating. Yeah, what's also interesting here is there's a there's a total trail all the way back. We can go straight back to early 1800s in Germany, and and then you know then you're doing some hops with Renaissance research going back to the Romans and then to the Greeks. But Stan Laprade was trained by a group that was probably ever bit as good as, as La Sierra. Um, we just don't have as much footage, and everybody's dead who <laughs> was participating in that program. <laughs> what's, what's interesting here is, you know, the, the students are still alive. And and so we have footage, and it was such a popular program that they say that they would have in a, in a normal week there would be three visitors, you know, visitors from from um, Russia and all over the place would come and just watch. They had these bleachers where people would watch them work out, um, the students, and so it was so well known, so well documented that it's pretty simple to put something like this to, together and and really address a lot of the. A lot of the things that the prejudices we have of how we think students would have reacted or would react today to this program, you know, we could really go in and interview them and find out how was it, what was it really like to do this? Was it, was it drudgery or was it, was it good and how did it help you? So, I mean, so the bottom line is it was classically based. Um, it really was nothing new right. and it was really right. just a fragment of how it used to be. Yeah. It was lost year was being. Lafayette was bringing back the old stuff, just like Muscle Beach. We look at Muscle Beach and we think, oh, this is... No, they were bringing back the old stuff that their parents used to use. Muscle Beach was not new. They were they had learned that from their parents who were involved in classical medical orthopedic gymnastics coming out of the 1800s. It involved a lot of off-the-ground training and acrobatics and gymnastics. So the other question he had, Ron, the other question he had was, you know, what was, what was the impetus for JFK? And, you know, that goes back to the, when he was a senator while, while Eisenhower was president. Well, when you know, the result, the first test came out. Go ahead. Um, it's geopolitical. You know, there are, there are spikes of fitness along uh, in times of conflict. So this is what history shows us. So what was going on in the 50s, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the, the Soviets were getting into outer space. Um, there were things like this. And if you look at the, the Bay of Pigs, that was a very serious time for America. And there was a lot of concern we were going back to war. So um, Eisenhower said we lost 20% more troops in World War II than World War I based on lack of fitness alone. So there was um, great concern starting around 1954 that Americans weren't fit enough to preserve our our national security. And that was tied to the, the back postural fitness test that uh, Dr. Hans Krauss created in 1940. And Bonnie Pruden was part of that, as I mentioned before. So this whole thing to get fit again basically hinged around the Krauss-Weber test in 1940 that was presented to Dr. I mean, uh, President Eisenhower in 1954. Bonnie Pruden was a person that put the test in his hand and explained it to him. And it was out of that that the president was so concerned, he formed the president's fitness council. 
And so that's, that was the origins of the fitness council. And then we had the sport explosion. So when you look around today and you see all the sports stadiums, we really didn't have that prior to the Krauss-Weber test being presented to the president in 1954. We exploded into sports thinking that that would fix it. But we knew in 1920 or prior that sports was part of the problem, not part of the solution, because it, all sports create asymmetries and imbalances in the body. And we're still not learning from history. So what they knew classically is you had to prepare your body to do the sports instead of just doing the sports to get fit. It just doesn't work um, that way. And we've been beating our heads against the wall for a long time. So the, the people that figure this out, they start moving differently and they start moving better. They increase their physical literacy. They decrease their injuries. They increase the cognitive ability of their brain to control their body and things start rocking. And so we want to be able to give that to people in the film because there's more to PE than just PE and throwing the ball out. That is not classical physical education. It was actually very sophisticated uh, and quite deep and productive. Okay, so let's get into the specifics. Uh, you mentioned that the program at La Sierra was classically based. We're talking ancient Greeks, 19th century physical culture, inspiration from there. So what was the fitness routine like? I mean, I guess it was primarily for boys that did it. I'm, I think girls did it too, but it was it was primarily boys from what I gathered from the documentary. Uh, so what were these boys doing uh, as part of their, their physical fitness routine? Well, this is kind of this is kind of interesting too, because when you you know you get into La Sierra, it looks like they did that off the ground training and you know side straddle hop jumping all period long, and that was not true. They did the calisthenics the first twelve minutes, and then for the for the main part of the PE period, they had a classical PE program, which involved restorative arts to restore the body to its natural state. Um, their strength endurance exercise routine actually was restorative or corrective in nature, as we've explained in the training videos. Um, they also had a martial arts component that was a second content area of classical PE. The first was restorative arts. The second was martial for self-defense or national defense. The third was pedagogy, and that involves sports, recreation, play, games, dance, things like that. So they were doing the restorative corrective work. They actually had some martial arts, they had some judo involved in the program. And then they would do they would play some sports and they would do games and things like that during the main course of the period, unless they were testing or, or something of that nature. So they had all three components at La Sierra. It it wasn't like they just did jumping jacks all, all period. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that it, it was a classically based program, meaning they had all the three content areas represented and, and also taught very well. That's another thing. The teachers really worked hard there. Um, you can't run a program like that, throwing the ball out. You have to be actively engaged and be a very dedicated educator. So one thing that I, that made this program unique, I thought was really fascinating was there was a ranking system that the boys could go through. Uh, they wore, yeah, they wore different colored shorts based on their rank. What was the purpose of that ranking system and how did they advance from rank to rank? It was called ability grouping. That's the technical term. And um, it was adopted by about 4,000 schools. So my high school in Central California actually used a version of Los here. It was pretty watered down, but we had uh, four different colors of shorts. And so just like if you went into a math class, you wouldn't go into advanced trigonometry or advanced algebra, you know, you'd have to work your way up in ability. And so physical education, at least parts of physical education, 
started using this type of system um, as back early as uh, the 1920s. So again, La Sierra did not create the ability grouping system. It was something that was done before that will probably learn from others. But, uh, you know, a lot of people look at that today and say, well, you know, you're, it'd be negative. You're ostracizing certain kids because they're not fit enough. And as one of the veteran teachers who taught at La Sierra 26 years said, it's just, you know, if you have a bonehead math book, you work your butt off to go to the next level. I mean, this is, this is what you do. You, you want to, you know, rise one step in the ladder. This is how we're wired as human beings. Um, the, the Greeks called arete. It was A-R-E-T-E. And it means striving for excellence. You're always reaching. You're striving for excellence. You'll never truly be excellent because you're human and imperfect. But the idea, the big idea is to strive. And when we lose our our philosophy for striving, that's when we're dead and we're done. And so La Sierra had all this built in. The philosophy of the program was very important. They, they had regular meetings at La Sierra just to talk about philosophy of physical education. That means they were classically trained. You don't see that in PE today. No. How many now, times does the PE department of high school have a philosophy meeting? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing on this also, I interviewed in the film an individual who was a coach there from 61 to 63. Then he left, went on and uh, taught at another school that did not, it was traditional PE at the time. And then uh, after two years, he says, if he didn't have a chance to go to another school and start a program from scratch, that was more like last year, he was going to just quit because he'd seen both ways. He saw the kids, the reactions, and, and what he, and, and so he was able to, to replicate last year in the, down in Bakersfield at a school and had great success there. But what he said that he noticed is they always did the test, you know, the presidential fitness uh, council, they had the fitness, fitness test for, for many, many years. And, and so one pull-ups were one of them. He says, like, you go up there and the kid would have to do pull-ups. He goes, you know, after a few, it kind of hurts. And they would just stop. They had a couple more in them at least. But there was no real incentive for them to keep striving. And so he said that the kids in a traditional program typically never achieved the fitness levels that they were capable of and, 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 you know, and, and experience what they would need for the rest of their life you know, to maintain that. They didn't have a real reason to. So they just went in and took a test. Not too dissimilar to what's going on with our current testing and the academics right now and different things where they're just teaching a kid for a test, but rather than teaching them to learn and enjoy, you know, the joy of learning. So um, he says that, that that color system, he ended up going on later and got his PhD and wrote his dissertation just on that color system and tested kids who were in a traditional PE program versus kids that were in one of these kinds of programs. And he tested the lower third of both schools. And the theory was that those who were in a La Sierra kind of program would have a lower self-esteem because they were stuck in those white shorts. You know, they were at the beginning level and never got out of it. And that would somehow, you know, they would feel that some way. And then what he found was that those kids at that performance level um, and that was based on the national test scores that were going on at the time, how many polls went up, business fitness thing. They took the low, lower third of both schools, tested them, and there was no difference at all. What was different was the physical test, the physical level. The average low level could do about nine pull-ups at the low school, I mean, at the La Sierra school, and the average low at the other school could do two. <laughs> so <laughs> otherwise, it was the same. So it didn't do anything to make a person feel better or worse. 
instead, instead it was the motivation factor, and that's actually going to be the title of the film, Motivation Factor, that, that really provided a reason why they should keep trying, that there was something for them to accomplish, another thing to achieve for those who, you know, felt motivated by it. But I've also interviewed people who could not get out of that, uh, both today, you know, 50 years later, as well as kids currently in the system right now in schools who are, who are still doing this. And it was really interesting to talk to them. They were very positive about it. So all the thoughts that we have and project into it, because somehow it's negative, it's just not there. And there's no scientific evidence on a peer-reviewed study that demonstrated it. It's interesting. Yeah, that that high school is actually West High School in Bakersfield. They went on to beat Lossier at a national uh, Marine Corps Fitness Championship, and and um, he was the guy that wrote the PhD study. Dr. Tucker was mentored by Stan Laprati. So it's kind of an interesting story um, if you start unraveling everything. But it's yeah. It's, well, the, other, uh, the, the other thing that's interesting with him is is really the story, you know, what it took to get a, a school to do this in the first place. And then he went on and became a principal and eventually a superintendent. He says as a principal and superintendent, he was never able to get a decent PE program up and running because he didn't have, you know, the coaches there. They just didn't have the background or, or the interest to do what was actually much harder to implement and much more time intensive and whatnot. And then we've seen plenty of coaches stuck where they don't get the support from the parent level or the administrative level. And in reality, you need all of that. You need the parents there. You need the coach there. You need the principal there and the superintendent. You need all of it. And so that's what... And, and, and here's what's disturbing. I mean, and, and also, you know, drives us uh, passionately to, to help inspire people through the film and the work is that this is the kind of fitness that builds civilizations. And it's the kind of fitness, when you don't have it, that destroys a civilization or society. So we are at the tipping point. We, we aren't at a level of health and fitness that's sustainable. And we really need to take some action. Um, and we don't have to recreate the wheel. It's already been done and it's been done very well. We just need to unravel the history enough so we can start again without having to drive while blind. You know, um, We don't need to do that. I mean, thousands of years of human evolution and movement, they kind of have it figured out. Right. You know, there's some, there's some basic things we need to be doing that we're not. Right. I think I read that Look Magazine article about La Sierra that you have on the site. Um, and it was really interesting because some of the stuff that they were doing, the, the boys were like surpassing the requirements to get into the Navy. And these were kids who were still 14 or 15 years old. Yeah, they kids. blew away some of the military academy requirements. So, I mean, the, the kids, they were, they were motivated. Laprati wrote about motivation a lot in philosophy. So while, while we look at it and we look at the very the physicality of loss here with the eight-pack abs and, you know, all the different configurations of off-the-ground apparatus, if you really get behind the scenes, it was mental. It was philosophy, and it was mental stability, and it was much, much deeper beyond the physical alone. So, you, you, so, so what, what, Ron, what Ron's bringing up is is something that I, in looking at this, thought: how do we, how do we do this today? Because um, you know, we all, in some way, kind of see that it would be a good thing for us to be healthier as a people, right? We we understand, you know, the medical problems. Eighty percent of our healthcare costs are preventable and obesity and all that. Um, but is, what uh, what are the other reasons we should be fit? 
Now, are there other reasons besides the waistline and, and, and health? And um, and that's where we really focused for for quite a while. We interviewed uh, probably 40 different PhD and MDs, uh, the top surgeons, top uh, researchers in, in the world, and people like John Rady there at uh, Harvard Medical School and uh, who wrote that book, Spark, you know, Exercise in the Human Brain, um, the relationship, uh, a bunch of neurosurgeons, uh, Michael Rosen there, he's the chief wellness officer of the Cleveland Clinic, uh, just a whole plethora of, of folks. And what was interesting to me was how far our science today has come in proving the correlation between high cognitive as well as um, mental stability with exercise. In fact, there does not seem to be a way to, to, to achieve our brain's potential without it. It is how we become smarter and how we become mentally stable. It's through exercise. And again, Big drugs, this goes back to the, it goes back to the Greeks. It goes back to Greeks, healthy mind, healthy body, sound mind, sound body. Um, well, well that's, just, that's just it. That's just it. When we look at history, that is a big component as to why, you know, in the 1800s, it was recommended that we spend a third of our time doing physical education and why the Greeks were spending half their time physical education. It turns out it wasn't this over-infatuation about how their bodies look. It was productivity. It was, you know, you're, you're, you're to be smart. And it was mental stability as well as, and this is the part that uh, we really, at least I didn't understand for, for some time and was shocked to see, is your, your social, your sense of community. That is taught through group physical activity together. That's how it's been done in the past. Um, it's how nations are built, that Ron explained. And um, in a lot of ways, that's what's missing. We, we know that we have an apathy problem in our country today in America, but this is actually a global issue, and it's correlated to a person's physical movement level. You know, where, where are we at? The, the less you move, the less you feel like doing. And it's, it's really that simple, but they've proven that now, you know, and they've been... And so here we have science saying it, we have history saying it, and yet we're really not listening. And, and ultimately, in doing this film, I realized that we really don't listen to science, and we really don't listen to history. So who are we listening to? And a point I want to underscore here is before people just go out, go crazy, and just start doing more, the, the, the history lesson is very clear. We need to move better first before we move more at random. So um, I want to point that out, and I'm going to cite uh, Colonel Herman Kohler back at West Point in World War One. He was adamant about safety, quality. Uh, he talked about the neurological quality of movement, and he was very uh, assertive about directing the instructors to never train in, into fatigue with the men and to preserve that economy of movement and you know, the resiliency, um, you know, and, and cause you know, you don't want, especially in world war one where people were moving more physically instead of in vehicles. Um, you have to move well for a long time on limited rations. You couldn't afford for people to get hurt. So if you want to know how people moved really well with limited equipment and, and support, you know, you have to go back pre 1920, look at somebody like Herman Kohler. So that that's that was a game changer for me as I got more into this. I realized, you know, it's not just that the movements were different, uh, and, and it's sometimes harder. It was the intelligence. It was the physical literacy. 
And that's the big picture. Yeah. We got to move better. And we have to have educated professionals that can teach that. What we, we can remake the equipment. We have the catalogs. We have the pictures. But what the reason that it took so long to unravel La Sierra, we had to figure out the teaching methods. That's what we were after. People keep asking me all the time, well, what, what were the upper marks for the testing for the advanced levels? They go, that's not what you want. What you want is how they taught it. How you taught a side straddle hop. How do you teach a push-up to World War II standards? Most people don't know. It's completely different than most people do a push-up today. I've had many strong men doing sets of 20, and when they do a World War II vintage push-up, they're down to one or two. And that's when you start really learning about your bodies and getting stronger. And you stop getting hurt so much. We don't have any uh, records of an official injury, any kind of injury problem at La Sierra. We've talked to all these people. The coach that was there 26 years says injuries were a non-issue. So when you look at what's happening today with, with injuries and people are walking and getting hurt, and then you look at something like that, it was so vigorous, and yet they're not hurting people. Okay, something's going on here. We need to start investigating this intellectually and take a rational look at it. And so that, that's why it took so long, but it's well worth the effort. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme. Cargo capacity means more room for your gear. And there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. You sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. Well, let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. 
Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. So you mentioned a while back that the coaches would get together and talk philosophy. So what did they discuss in these philosophical meetings? I mean, was it the philosophy underlying the fitness or were they trying to figure out how to convey a bigger message to the students through physical fitness? Yeah, Ron, once you think well, about that, let me give an anecdotal on that one while you think about that response because okay. one of the person, people I interviewed, he talked about Coach Daniel probably was sitting there with a news person right next to him. And a kid was complaining about the agility drill. You know, this is a really high-octane thing you do at the end of the strength and endurance routine. And um, he goes, oh, I hate these. I hate this part. He said it out loud. And the coach leaned over to the, to the news reporter and said, now you watch. That kid has a problem in math. In two weeks, his math score is going to go up because of what we're going to do right now. <laughs> so one, the coach knew which kids were having problems in academics. Second, they understood how what they were prescribing by way of exercise was going to help them with those academics. Now, we, we, we can prove that now in, in math and in, 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 in with MRIs in your brain on, on what that actually does to your brain so that you are going to be able to perform better. But he understood that. And so that was part of it. And the other part was motivation. It was how do we motivate these kids? I mean, there's a, there's a good way to do it and, and, a, and a wrong way to do it when you have to get in someone's face and, and motivate them. And, and overall, this was an extremely positive program. It, does, it may not look like it when you're looking at the footage, but I have not found one example. I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of these people where it wasn't just positive to them. They loved it. I mean, they, they said it was fun. That, that's the word that they always use. It was fun. When you're out there as a group, it's like a big dance, everyone moving together in perfect unison, and, and uh, they just talked about how fun it was. And, you know, I've, I've presented at some universities and worked with some younger people the last few years, you know, since getting involved with the film project. And it was interesting getting, when, when I showed them some of the backstory of history in La Sierra, the feedback um, with quite a few of them was that they, almost a resentment 
um, and frustration, at least, that they weren't given the same opportunity to learn these methods because they realized as younger people, they really messed up. It was something really special that happened before them, and they didn't get a chance to do it. It's, it's just interesting. But in, in terms of the deeper philosophy, you know, what they were teaching at Los here, and again, this goes back to the Greeks, because one of the things that they talked about in Greek culture was learning through physical education, about being a good citizen, about thinking clearly, about being a leader. And so the philosophy of Los here, if you boil it down to a bumper sticker, they were teaching the students how to live their lives through physical achievement, physical fitness. They were learning job skills, communication skills, social skills. Um, They were learning how to pay attention to detail. You know, all the things that you need to be successful in life. Uh, Many of the alumni said, yeah, we learned it there in high school. You know, we learned it in PE. And so most people today, if you ask them, what do you think of PE? They have such a negative connotation to it because they never went through a real quality physical education program, but that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it can be again. Um, it can be done. We just have to get started and we have to be intelligent about it. So that's what we hope to do with the film. Yeah. So it sounds like Leprati had this idea that physical education was there to supplement their learning in the classroom. And now there's just this big disconnect. I mean, P is just something you do as an elective to pass an hour. So you don't have to take another harder class. Uh, so there's a disconnect completely. Here's a big idea. PE was there to create the learning environment in the classroom. How about that one? Because without it, you won't have the good learning going on in the classroom. Hence today, we're drilling, we're killing, our test scores suck. We're not moving. You know, my my son right now, he's learning, he's getting a pup, and he's learning how to be a pet owner and teach training. I mean, he just went through a training thing. He runs upstairs to me yesterday. He says, Dad, when we get this puppy... We're going to have to exercise it. you got to exercise this much, this much. You have to always be running. You have to do this stuff because if it's just bundled up of energy, it affects its ability to learn when you're trying to train it. It has to have gone through some exercise before you train it or else it's, you know. And I thought this about everything we've been doing this film. I thought, wow, probably the best analogy. For some reason, <laughs> our goal, we don't need to run around um, or sitting there and they're expecting these little kids and, and young adults to just sit there and be capable to learn. I mean, everybody knows a dog can't do that. People can't do it either. There's a point of diminishing returns. So one, it's getting the brain ready. Now, one thing that is interesting, Dr. Rady cited, um, by instituting a 30-minute PE program at an inner city school in Charleston, South Carolina, they were able to, in the morning, they were able to see an 87% drop in discipline problems one semester to the next, 87% drop. And then they went and did that to other schools, and it's that same number. Wow. I mean, you, you pretty much have discipline go away. You have a ready, interested person, ready to learn, capable to learn, and uh, mentally balanced, restored, chemically, you know, ready, your brain, you can, you can learn. You're ready to go. And ultimately, we will never achieve the test scores that we're trying to achieve, both here in America as well as the world, the whole world problem. They're all doing the same thing. I would say that the irony is that we're getting rid of recess and physical education so we can spend more time in the classroom studying for these tests so that the students can do better on the test. But it sounds like what's actually, that it's actually counterproductive to do that, uh, extremely counterproductive. Yeah. Now, there are some recent reports of schools increasing recess, and guess what? The kids are getting better. 
So yeah, it's just interesting. We we just can't keep doing this going down this road. It's not going to work. And by the way, Lost Sierra didn't have a bullying problem. You know, you think of it, man, these kids are very physical, they're probably fighting and pushing each other around. Not. That is not the case. It was all for one, one for all. That was a team supportive environment, everybody pulling for each other, mentoring, teaching. Um, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, can we, can we hone in on what Ron just said? This idea of all for one, one for all, you know, we're not going to disclose where, but we found a school still doing this that started, and it's kind of the end of our film. It's the big, big secret, right? It's a big deal. And I went, it's an inner city school. You've got the whole gamut there. I interviewed kids that live in the country club and kids who are homeless right now. And they all treat each other equal. It was, it was, I interviewed 60 of them and I was just fascinated in that process. And what I saw was because they're a team and everybody participates, it's not just the jocks, right? Everybody participates. And the objective is to get your whole team to progress together. And so when you're done running through, if you're fast, you turn around and you go track and, and help the, the, the rest of the group and cheer them on and get them in. And because you're out there as a group trying to move perfectly together, you're outside yourself. It's all The whole experience is outside of you. You're now part of a community. You're part of a team. They have no bullying. They treat each other like a family even though it's probably the most diverse ethnic and diverse economic group I've ever seen at any school. And I, I saw this and, and it, it gave me a lot of encouragement. I just thought, you know, and so then we went and interviewed um, someone who, one of the top historians in the world um, who looked at this historically and using these classical education things. And that's where we saw that the whole, impetus to physical education historically, the reason the governments wanted to do it, was to build nationalism. When you get large groups of people to move together, they create, it creates a sense of community independent of the ideology that was used. So you see in history Germany doing it. You see in history America doing it. You see in history Hitler doing it, right? And you see right now them doing it in North Korea, in Russia, and you see ISIS doing it right now. So it doesn't matter what the ideology is. If you want to build a group of people and get them to be one and be a community and actually care about something besides just themselves, you have to get them to go orchestrate and move together, get them to dance together, do whatever together, but they've got to do it together. They can't be this. So let me, uh, let me, let me dissect this a little bit. So this, um, you know, you talked about what was the philosophy behind Lost Sierra. A large part of this goes back to what's called the noble purpose. And I don't care what system you study, it could be the German system coming out of Jan in the 1800s or Ling out of Sweden, the Finnish, the Czechs, um, Americans. They all said all had some kind of guiding philosophy that was related to a noble purpose, right? And so it's the betterment of, of mankind in general and helping the whole planet if you look at it that way. There are countries that have a national purpose, but it's not necessarily noble. So we can argue that North Korea definitely has a national agenda, national purpose. So, you know, in American culture, we would not say generally that that is noble. So, but the idea, the Sokols are great to look at from Czechoslovakia. They had an amazing, almost like a cradle to grave physical literacy system. You were born into it. You went through it. A lot of people competed in it with rhythmic gymnastics on a field. They could put over 14,000 people on a field at the same time 
doing beautiful aesthetic, high quality movements with with mass calisthenic drills. I mean, just absolutely amazing. And then as you aged, you would teach and mentor. It was all volunteer. That's they would have these huge festivals. They were called SLETs, S-L-E-T, in Europe. And all these people, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people would come in. They would have these things for weeks at a time. Different cities would feed different teams in, and everything was volunteer. And they brought that to America. Interestingly, in World War II, they had a rejection rate from the Czechoslovakian men going into the service less than 1%. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's how fit they were, less than 1%. Now, their, their purpose for doing this was to build better citizenship and to mentor the young and to be healthy and fit. And they, I have a lot of information on the Czech Sokols, and they constantly are talking about healthy body, healthy mind being positive, being productive, it's all there. And it was there very strongly as late as about 1965, which was about the time La Sierra was peaking. So that's not that long ago. And that's why we, we really want to zero in on La Sierra a little bit, because they were the last high school to figure it out at a level that changed the country and influenced the world. There might have been well, pockets of this or that, but not no one school has done it since last year. So, so the other thing that that's interesting is when you interview the, the people today, you know, fifty years later after they were the class of '61, for example, they'll they'll tell me how somebody got cancer, and um, and suddenly the whole school rallies around. It didn't matter what year you were; it just quickly goes out that so and so one of one of our Longhorns. Is down and out, and people go over, they're blown all the lawn, they're helping out financially, whatever. Someone loses their job. It didn't matter what year it was. It didn't matter the fact they don't know them at all. They, they, were, they were a sense of community. They were a team, and they went out and helped them. Kind of similarly, that as if you were in a sports team and you were you know, nationally ranked, your group, and, and you kind of kept that relationship together. They've done that as an entire school and as a community. Now, it doesn't mean that everything's all perfect. I mean, we found plenty of examples. And the other thing I found interesting is, you know, when we wanted to do this film, you needed like half a million bucks to, to consider it a low-budget film to anything below a million. We figured we needed at least half a million to try to even get it to the point of going into a theater. So we, we, got, we, got, we got, what, 10,000 alumni easily out of that school. They all just gave 10 bucks. We got 100 grand. Well, <laughs> we had about 40 or 50 of them contribute. And, um, you know, we raised in total with everybody, you know, out of 40 million views on Facebook and half a million on YouTube, we raised, you know, about 20,000. So, so there was, um, that was hard for Ron and I to sit there. We thought for sure they would step up. And basically, I get the sense that it's kind of like all of us Americans today. You know, all of us benefit from, from freedom and democracy is that we really didn't do anything to enjoy this benefit. We, it's not because of us. It's because of people a long time ago who, who gave it to us. Those people knew what they were doing and why. And not everyone really respects that today. And I, I got the same sense from them, but they still retain that sense of strong community. And that is distinctly different than those who didn't participate in that program. It's very, very interesting. 
so, curious, I'm curious about um, this. It so sounds like it sounds the like this, program this pro, I mean, influenced this program over four thousand other, like other high schools. Other high schools. The they, they adopted a program similar to it. Program. Some, ver- some version, some version of it. Why did and the, it was it was it was a uh, global too? I mean, that those were four thousand in the United States, but we have records in our archives of you know Saudi Arabia and all, all these different countries coming to visit and communicating with Lepradi. So why did the program fade away? Well, that's it, a really it, it good was geo- question. Yeah, that's a loaded question, geopolitical. Again, you want to you want to take the lead on that, Doug, and I'll chime in. Well, well, <laughs> you know, we ask that question, and we get we get different answers. So I'm just going to give you all the answers, okay? And then, and, and because you're going to have a tough time really getting it, um, there were reasons why it faded away after the golden era, right, heading into 1920. Um, but the reasons, the first big wound it got was Vietnam War when it lagged on. Because, you know, physical education is really good for an individual, but it's a, it's a human body. And how you, in an efficient manner, get that human body in shape, you know, with 12 minutes and then another five minutes of off the ground at the end of the day, and otherwise, the rest of the stuff in the middle is just more fun. How do you do that efficiently if you're in the Army? Well, you do the same stuff. You're going to do, you're going to do the exact same activities in the Army. So they saw, they saw the boot camp. And it looked pretty dang similar to what they're doing there in high school. And a lot of parents, when they wanted to oppose Vietnam and the students, felt like if they could, if they could boycott and protest against PE, then that's the method to protest against the war. So first was the link between what it perceived physical education was to military, that hurt them a lot. And the same thing happened after World War One. That that was really the death knell for a lot of that classical physical education as well. So, but then the other, the other part was budget. We saw in the seventies, we saw in California, for example, at this high school, the coach says, one of the coaches said the death knell was when they stopped laundering the towels. <laughs> so when you stop laundering <laughs> towels, boys, you know, they're not interested in taking showers without a towel. They forget their towel. They're supposed to bring it and blah, blah, you know, all that stuff started happening. That was a big factor. Um, so the, the budget was a, a bit of an issue. You had, but the other real factor I think that really comes down to, I mean, honestly, it, when I flushed through all this stuff, it's the parents. It was the parents' support that allowed it to start in the first place. And the way Stan the product got that is he opened up the school in the evenings and got the moms out and he did these programs with the parents so that they had the buy-in and they saw it, why it you know, benefited them. But it was those, it was the next generation of parents who didn't like little Johnny going out there and have to do something hard. And and they didn't understand the why behind it. And so yeah. they, they didn't have and then support. The, the, and so, you know, the school closed in 1983. And, and one of the, well, the big reason that the, some of the people fought to keep La Sierra open as opposed to closing one of the other schools in the district due to some boundary issues was the, the fact that the PE program was globally famous. Um, but they ended up closing that, and La Sierra is now a community center. Interestingly, though, the PE program at La Sierra in the early 80s was on the way back. It was They never got rid of it, but it had waned a little bit, like Doug said, with the war. It was actually making a comeback. So um, we found that kind of uh, interesting, and, and um, you know, things do cycle. But um, if La Sierra was there today, I'm sure they'd be maybe doing something similar. Because there, now, now, there are can we address the can we address the female side of this with loss here too? Yeah, well, because t- a lot of people yeah, bring title, that up. Yeah, Title IX came in in the '70s, so 
we, we've had criticism. Well, where are the girls? Well, they weren't involved with boys PE at the time. We're, we're historians. We're recording what happened. We're not changing history. This is the way it was. You can say it's good or bad, but in those days, that's the way it went down. Um, well, what's interesting think, with the wrong is the girls had PE, but the, the girls, they, they had female, they had female coaches, and those female coaches at that time chose not to do this program. They had their own program, which was more traditional yeah, sports-based program. It was softer. It was softer and more uh, rhythmic, if you could, you could say it that way. But I think a bigger issue, uh, guys, is that as the World War II generation left the ranks of PE, we started losing the teaching methods. And that's right. the real issue. I'm going to keep coming back to the teaching methods. And because when you lose the teachers, then, you know, who's going to do it, right? So, um, and I have PE teachers across the country writing me all the time. They they're, they know they're missing something. They weren't taught in their credentialing programs how to do any of this. And they were taught how to do sports. And so, uh, we the, the bigger problem here is that, and people ask me quite often, I, my son or daughter wants to go do something like you're doing. Where should they go to school? Where should they apply? I don't have one single university in America that I can recommend because we've dismantled our quality physical edu- education programs. There are no teacher preparation programs teaching what we're talking about. They might have a history class and they show some pictures and they do a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But the richness of American physical education, and and, and remember, Los Angeles is just a brief part of that, um, has been gone for decades. That's the bigger problem. We have to start educating teachers so we can teach the methods again. And that has to be infiltrated into the, you know, we've got to get your universities back up to speed. It's like when we lost our factories, and now we need stuff, and we have to rely on another country to do it. Well, our factory for building physical fitness we we dismantled our factory. <laughs> right now, it seems like there's this explosion outside of schools or publicly funded institutions that are doing this kind of stuff that La Sierra was doing. So, for example, like MoveNat comes to mind. I don't know if you heard of those guys. Yeah, I know them. And even like CrossFit, it seems sort of, but not exactly the same. The whole idea that sports should be functional or fitness should be functional. Are there, are these sort of trends and fitness that's going to inf- that could possibly influence physical education programs in schools? Or is there going to be a lot of pushback to that sort of uh, functional fitness uh, in PE and schools? Well, it will, will it influence? Yes. But I'm going to go back to the big picture. First, do no harm. Move well before you move more. So it's, it's always going to be that way in the end. You can fight it. You can deny Newton's laws of motion and physics. You can blow history off, but this is how it's done. You can't load people with excessive volume and high intensity if they're not lining things up. It just yeah. so, doesn't work, right? So we have to have an intelligent approach to this. Um, at MoveNet is influenced by uh, Hebert's system in French because Erwan Lecour was, was from France. So he has more of a classical position than a lot of other people out there. Um, that being said, there you know, body weight only is only part of it. There are, are other pieces of apparatus that have to factor into that. And, and you, you'll see move now kind of moving more into that now um, it, instead of just working with the body alone. But they get the big picture, right? It's the mind-body-spirit connection, the quality, yeah. But you are right, Brett, in the sense that there is an absolute movement of making the old new. 
you know, where we're going back, we're seeing some of these things, we're, we're seeing intent, higher intensity and different things coming forward. And, and what Ron is pointing out, there's a safety issue and there's a way to teach this and, and make it work in there. What we're trying to do with the film is show how the why behind, well, really, this is the purpose of the film, the really why behind it is to be a flag that can be waved to get this to happen again, you know, in, in its, in its uh, entirety, the way it, it once was, and, and for people to understand it. And the reason why we need that today is is because what's happened in the physical education is really not dissimilar than, I usually like to use an analogy, what would happen if we stopped teaching mathematics 100 years ago? You know, let's just picture this for a moment. Where would we be at today if 100 years ago we just stopped teaching mathematics? Maybe we kept the math facts, you know, so everybody knew 5 times 5 is 25. You know, that wouldn't be much knowledge to have to retain. They could do that, you know, 20 minutes a day on a Friday and, and compete against each other on that. But otherwise, um, they wouldn't do math. The problem is no one would know how to apply it. So we wouldn't have, you know, obviously our computers and iPhones and whatnot. And we wouldn't even have skyscrapers or, or bridges being built anymore. And if you really think about it, we wouldn't even have houses because that still takes math. So, so we would regret, regress back to pre-Egyptian time period of standard of living by stop teaching just that one subject. Well, physical education, we stopped teaching it in its entirety over 100 years ago, the real physical education. So today, I mean, and if you think about the same analogy with math, how would you go back and, and reinstitute it? How would you talk to people about advanced concepts in calculus or algebra even with, with when everyone only, all they know is math facts? You couldn't do it. It'd be really difficult. And we are at that point right now with physical education. Our bodies, well, and it, the diseases and everything, we are at that point that we need to go back and actually reintroduce this stuff. And there's a formula. It has been done in the past. We have societies have found themselves in this spot and how they brought it forward. Um, it's formulistic what we need to do. Well, here's, here's an example today. Um, I, I know a young man, he's preparing for the Olympic trials. The Olympic coaches that he's working with in strength and, and conditioning, because this guy actually knows some of the historical methods that he's worked with I and uh, my partner, Shane Hilton. And they're making fun of him because they say his methods are outdated. Now, he's using the good stuff. <laughs> he's using the Indian clubs and the health wands, and he's using La Sierra, and his body is changing, and he's getting better and they're making fun of him at the Olympic level because they say he, he's obviously outdated, doesn't know what he's doing. He actually knows more than the strength coaches, right? So this is where we're at. You don't know if you don't know. <laughs> and how do you start the conversation um, with people? Well, and, that, and that's just it. The positive side is it's, the process isn't, isn't that difficult to, to bring back if you follow the formula. And the formula is it's, it starts with an educated, you know, a few who understand it, who dig it up, you know, your wands and all these guys in the history who did it. You just have to do the Renaissance effort. Second, it goes to the educated elite. So that's going to be our colleges and that's also going to be our clubs. That's going to be our, you know, the different gyms. That's going to be anybody who has the influence that, that wants to teach this stuff. And then it goes to phase three, which is mass mobilization. And that's, that's how you got the masses. Well, we're never going to reach inner city schools and the kids and so many kids who are just finding themselves on a path to go straight to prison. We're never going to reach them unless we get this back in schools for them. It has to be for every student. Um, 
Lossier eventually did combine the male and the female. The last person who graduated from the school, I interviewed her, who got the highest level at Lossier. And the incredible meeting this was for her. Um, it works for all genders, every ethnicity. Um, right. We have, we, have young, we have young women doing the Lossier routines now, and they're doing great with it. And, and one of them is over 60 years old. So if you have the quality and the philosophy behind the classical methods, they will work. You can't just take the tools and look at the, the drills in isolation and start just loading them up with volume and forgetting about the quality and the physics and the classical teaching methods. It doesn't work that way. But when you do it the old way and correctly and precisely, things start to happen and, and fairly quickly. So this is this is why it's taken so long to unravel all this because it's not just a, a, a PE program. There's so much deep philosophy involved and the quality of movement. It really took some time with a lot of us uh, in deep reflection, going over thousands of pages of information, basically Wait, Doug, over a hundred years old. Doug, Ron, this has been a great discussion. Where can people learn more about the film and the project, and can they still support the film? Yeah, yes, they can. And probably the easiest link is to go to motivationmovie.com. And I'll take them to the website and all links will go from there. They'll find a link to go to our Indiegogo crowdfunding effort. Um, It's woefully underfunded. Um, I'm about three weeks away from finishing the first real edit cut of this. And we'll go around and start to try to build up some, some interest and get some support in the film. And yeah, we're uh, our goal is to take it to theaters. Lawsierhighpe.com too, and then they can reach me at theleanbraze.com. Um, we also have a Facebook page. It's got some pretty cool updates on it, and um, I have been popping in a lot of the slides out of the archives and some of the uh, articles and things like that, and making historical commentary on them, helping to explain the story. Then not just the story of Lawsierra on the Facebook post, but the story behind La Sierra, like what fed into training Leprati to be able to do what he was able to do. And Leprati was an interesting guy because he left La Sierra and went on to be one of the top physical fitness guys in the country with the President's Fitness Council, worked with the law enforcement, University of South Carolina, the last part of his career and with the military. And he, he was truly a remarkable uh, professional in physical education and fitness. But anyway, um, those are good places to visit. And uh, I'd be happy to talk to people about it. I've, I've worked with the military. Uh, I'm working with gymnasiums, starting to do some workshops. I'll be in Spain next month uh, teaching La Sierra to some people over in Europe that are interested. So it, uh, it's, it's moving forward, as it should. Very cool. Well, Doug, Ron, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. All right, thank, thank you. My guests today were Doug Orchard and Ron Jones. They are creating a documentary about the La Sierra High P.E., program. You can find out more information about the documentary at LaSierraHighPE.com. And when you go there, you'll be able to watch archival footage of the what these kids in action, what they were doing. And it's pretty intense and amazing what they were doing for PE back in the 60s. You can also contribute to the film while you're there. And if you make a donation, they'll even send you the workout program that these kids at La Sierra were doing. You can incorporate them. It's all body weight. Pretty awesome. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this podcast and have gotten something out of it, I would really appreciate it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher uh, that help get the word out about the show. 
As always, I appreciate your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 